Oh, I'm at the end of my story here. Okay. <clears throat> Wait, you want to be at the beginning? It's it's a really good place to start. Julie Andrews taught us that. She fucking had it nailed, <laughs> she mate. She had that down. You can't even expand on that treatise. Oh, it, it is fully formed. That broad knew what was up. Knows what she was did. up. She's, she's still around. Anyway, Mark, I love when someone gets a little too comfortable that they got away with something sketchy in their past and then oh. makes the mistake of becoming famous, thus dredging said incident up that otherwise would have essentially gone to their grave with them. Yeah, I enjoy that too. Yeah. I enjoy, I like that particular genre too. <laughs> this is especially satisfying <laughs> when that person is someone I already have disdain for. Oh, yeah, just so sweet delicious stuff it's validatory it's it's kind of validating for you as well isn't Mm -hmm. it because you always knew right i had that inkling in my mind i knew there was something there uh and and that's exactly the case with delia owens author of the Mm. inexplicable bestseller where the crawdads sing which has been made into a movie starring daisy edgar jones that opened last week Yes, I've seen her doing the rounds of local uh, of, of uh, UK news lately. Yes, yeah, it's a it's a big deal. The book was a big mm. deal, and the hype surrounding the movie naturally has people delving into the seventy four year old first time author's past, and it's got one major skeleton in it, like a literal one. There's a body. Now, just to explain why I'm happy to see Delia Owen's Shining Star moment ruined, where normally I love a good late-in-life success story, Where the Crawdads Sing was one of my bajillion quarantine reads, because everyone on Goodreads was reading it, and I like to see Mm. what the hubbub is about when a book is super zeitgeisty. Could you pricey it for me, please? Could you give me a few lines? Uh... Well, I don't know if I can give you a few, oh, <laughs> a few lines from the Just book. Just about yes. what the, uh, yeah, yeah, I will. I will get there. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I'd be like, could, would you mind reading you, for would us? Would you a mind little, reciting from a where little the something from where sing? the yeah. sir? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I will. I will explain it to you in one second. But I just want to point out, it should have been a flashing warning sign to me that it, most of its acolytes are white folk, because holy fuck, that shit is racist. And it's not even like the story revolves around race. The story is about a little white girl in the South who suffers abuse and neglect and grows up pretty much ostracized by the people of the town, aside from Mm. a couple of guys with whom she has some fraught relationships. Um, And she's, you know, she's a talented artist and all these kinds of things. Um, But uh, when one of these dudes is murdered, she becomes the prime suspect uh, and the second half of the book is this melodramatic court story that's super boring and ends so ridiculously that when I finished the book, I literally said out loud, that was fucking stupid. But I remember <laughs> there's one black character in the book uh, who speaks in this exaggerated Negro dialect straight out of 19th oh, century cool. literature. Yeah, it's like... Really cool. Yeah, Mark Twain, like just like old slave times speak you know um and of course we get the n-word thrown around because white people cannot have a book with a black character in it without that being a thing so Uh, good so brave yeah so so brave and bold to go there just finding out where the boundaries are and then just pushing them you gotta press against that right challenging uh, An Atlantic article points out there are other black characters. I don't remember any of them. 
but the article also makes it clear that they too speak ridiculously. And there was a, a quote I'm not even going to read in the article that was some of this dialect that the black characters speak with. And it is, it's painful. <laughs> it's so, so racist. Um, and it's also worth noting that there's a jailhouse cat in this book named Justice, which is named after an African man Owens once wrote about in a memoir and quoted as saying, I myself always wanted to talk to someone who has flown up in the sky with a plane. I myself always wanted to know, madam, if you fly at night, do you go close to the stars? A journalist tracked... Oh, is... <laughs> yeah, go ahead. That is profound. <laughs> well, it's it's dumb, though, is what it is. I mean, the idea that, you know, when it gets dark out, you fly close to the stars. Like, it just means you don't understand how the, the world yes. works, right? And a journalist tracked down the man in Zambia... Uh, who laughed when he heard this quote that was attributed to him. And the journalist said of him, quote, he spoke like an adult and told me that he had flown in airplanes as a child and also that he was a veteran of the Zambian Air Force. He's literally in the Air Force and she made up this story about him asking <laughs> if planes get close to the stars <laughs> at night. <laughs> Incredible. I, I, this doesn't feel like a book that you would, you personally, you would read, no. knowing what you, I, I dare say, knew about it going in. Well, I didn't know much about it going in, to be clear. Yeah. It was just that, like, on my Goodreads feed, pretty much everyone had read it. Uh, and so I was like, whenever there's something that's just, like, super, super popular, I'm like, I'd like uh -huh. to know what it, what people are getting into. I will give it a read. Uh, so I had, I didn't really know anything about it when I started it. This is all things uncovered afterwards okay. for me. Um, so this whole thing with justice is emblematic of the way Delia and her ex-husband spoke about Afri Africans in their memoirs, infantilizing and othering them, and basically making up bullshit to make themselves out to be their saviors. A local conservationist described their attitude towards Africa as nice continent, pity about the Africans. Mm. So, yeah, she sucks and I want bad things for her. So, let's go back <laughs> to... Luckily. <laughs> let's go back to March of 1996, when American television channel ABC aired a special on their show Turning Point entitled Deadly Game, the Mark and Delia Owens story. What followed was the exact kind of white savior story that you would imagine, with Diane Sawyer beginning the broadcast, quote, they went halfway around the world to follow a dream. An idealistic American couple, young, in love. But a strange place and time would test that love. <sighs> yes, it's the, it's the place that's strange. Not the foreigners who came there for a grand adventure. Oh, fuck, I hate these people. <laughs> so, see, Mark and Delia were big into animals and conservation. They'd met when Delia was a zoology major at the University of Georgia, and shortly after marrying, they moved to the Kalahari Desert of Botswana to set up a research station for studying African wildlife. Because every piece of media we've watched our entire lives paints that to be good and noble, this probably doesn't set off red flags for most people. No, it didn't. I was about to say, in fact, <laughs> well, that seems funny. Sure. Yeah, let me, let me raise that red flag for you, Mark. 
Okay. White people don't need to go to Africa to set up research stations. Africans uh-huh. study animals. They have their own research stations and activists and conservationists. And what white people tend to do when they come in to do any form of charitable thing, and it's, that's not just conservation, basically any form of charity that they bring into a country, they immediately see something that upsets them and start to insinuate yeah. themselves into the government and take over all the local efforts, which ends up making things way fucking worse. You hear about okay. this with stuff like clothing drives and stuff like that, that people, uh, you know, Americans do clothing drives and send all their stuff over there or Tom's shoes that they end up putting industries out of business because now you're sending them a whole bunch of stuff and the local businesses can't compete with a whole bunch of free shit coming in from America. Right. So like you end up with people coming in with these good intentions, if you will, but they don't know anything about the economy. They don't know anything about the government. They just are like, Uh they clearly need me. And yes, yes. they okay. uh, that's what they do. They go into countries, think what these folks is need is me to advocate for them. When in reality, the foreigners don't know shit about how things work and just undo gains that locals have been trying to make. Big surprise. That's exactly what happened here. So Mark and Delia went to Botswana where they got all treadwell with the local li- lions and hyenas. And they wrote mm. a shit ton of books about their experiences, including 1984's Cry of the Kalahari, 1992's The Eye of the Elephant, An Epic Adventure in the African Wilderness, and <laughs> 2006's Se- yeah, Secrets of the Savannah, 23 Years in the African Wilderness, Unraveling the Mysteries of Elephants and People. They were appalled there, however, by the poaching of animals that they were seeing all around them, particularly elephants. And the way they saw it, the government not only wasn't doing enough, but was basically actively abetting the behavior. And they weren't entirely wrong here. There was plenty of government corruption. And as Jeffrey Goldberg wrote, in 1960, the park that they were trying to save held about 70,000 elephants. By the 80s, the population had been hunted almost to elimination. The Owens is estimated that by the time they arrived in 86, there were only 5,000 elephants in the park. And Goldberg quoted a friend of the Owens's, Alexandra Fuller, who is the author of the memoir, Don't Let's Go to the Dogs Tonight, uh, who said that by the 70s and 80s, quote, there were lorries coming out of the park with hundreds of tusks. All sorts of people were funding their wars using the ivory out of the park. And so the government was struggling to do much about it, hiring scouts to patrol the park who weren't super stoked on confronting heavily armed poachers for an abysmal wage. Same reason you don't find people who work retail putting in a shit ton of effort to hinder shoplifters. Yes, of course. Minimum wage ain't really worth your life. Minimum wage, minimum effort. Yes, exactly. Uh, (laughs) So Mark Owens took matters into his own hands. The government made the Owenses honorary game rangers, but Mark took that far beyond their mandate, essentially buying his own little militia of game scouts in North Luangwa, Zambia. He bought them guns and knives and boots in return for their help in patrolling the park for poachers, operating a nice little corps of hunters completely outside of government oversight. According to The Atlantic, quote, Delia wrote in one of their books that Mark created a special unit of scouts who would earn new guns, jungle knives, binoculars, and compasses for standout performance. Mark even had his adult son, Christopher, train the corps in hand-to-hand combat. They would then 
patrol the park in helicopters and on foot, uh, doing things like throwing firecrackers from the air at would-be poachers to scare them off. And again, let's just think about this for a second. There is no way in hell that these people would think that this was okay to do in the on United States soil. You can't mm. just go against the government, arm a small militia, and fly them no. around in a helicopter over a national park throwing shit at people. You would no. be very arrested. <laughs> and that he did this shows that he clearly thought himself above Zambian law and that he felt entitled to assert his power and dominance over local authorities. We have plenty of endangered shit here in the U.S. that's being, you know, screwed over by government decisions. But in the decades mm. they've been back here, strangely, Mark hasn't hopped in a chopper to protect any of it. He knows the difference. Mm. So anyway, multiple sources told The Atlantic's reporter that the Owens' scouts would tie suspected poachers to stakes and let them bake in the sun. One scout from that period, Henry Campamba, said Mark Owens... Well, fatally, fatally, he would... to death. Not sure. <laughs> I just know that they left them tied to there. Maybe if someone untied them. Uh, so Henry Campamba said, Mark Owens told us that anyone with meat or a weapon should have a beating. The attorney for the Owenses, of course, claims that what actually happened is that sometimes the scouts would tie them to a nice shady tree for a few minutes while they got some water and rest on the way to arrest them, naturally. <sighs> Mark also bragged about the fact that multiple poachers had been killed on his patrol's watch. He literally faxed a letter in which he said this to a professional hunter named PJ Fouch, while asking him to send more ammunition for the continuance of their conservation efforts. And I don't think I really need to tell you this, but of course PJ Fauch is white and yes. kills the same animals Mark was fighting to protect. But When you when you uh, said his name and explained who he was, I pictured a white guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, you know, but Mark didn't seem to have a problem with him and his operation. The issue, of course, is Africans doing it. So with all this knowledge in hand, we circle back again to March of 1996, and the ABC crew following the Owens's harrowing journey through their self-made heart of darkness. There are conflicting accounts of exactly what happened, but here's what we see in the documentary. A scout is seen coming across the empty camp of a presumed poacher, where shotgun shells are found on this site. He then waits to ambush the poacher, and when this man comes by, he shoots him and kills him. Both the poacher and the scout, uh, scout's faces are blurred, and the victim has never been identified, nor his body okay. found. And people think that it's likely that um, Mark took the body up in a helicopter and just dumped it into a swamp or something somewhere. Now, multiple people on the crew of the documentary have said that it was, in fact, Mark's son's Chris who first fired upon the victim, uh, and he also fired the last shots into him. Delia has claimed that Chris wasn't even there, which would be a weird thing for the documentary crew to lie about. <laughs> Why would they think they'd met a person they'd never met, let alone think that they'd seen him shoot and kill uh -huh. someone? I think it's likely he did it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, regardless, someone fucking murdered a guy in front of a TV crew, and they did so under the auspices of the Owens' foundation with weapons they paid for and training they'd provided. 
And naturally, American audiences ate it up. They loved seeing these Americans out there fighting the good fight and killing these evil poachers. Even though there was no evidence that this person was a poacher, nor anything to suggest they were even armed, despite what the Owenses claimed in letters to supporters who were less thrilled and of with course, what they'd witnessed. Even if, even if the guy was a poacher... You don't just kill them on sight. There's no law that I'm aware of, which <laughs> which means that they're you know you're, you're able to legally kill right people engaged in the act of poaching. Exactly. You know, there's yeah. there are things that you're supposed to do. There's processes for yeah. dealing with something like that, especially one who is not being aggressive towards you. You know, it's one thing if someone yeah. points an AK at you. It's another if they're just walking back to their camp and you shoot them. Yes. Yes. So whether they've got a bag of tusks with them or not. Right. So for the Owens' part, they claimed to be absolutely shocked and posited that their scout had killed the man out of a sense of protectiveness over the camera crew. Certainly not something they had actively trained them to do and bragged about in a fucking fax mm, sure. earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing the oh. writing on the wall, though, the Owens' got the fuck out of Africa, claiming to be going on a short vacation, but they never returned. They are still wanted for questioning about the incident by the Zambian government, but refuse to comply. Now, no one disputes that Delia was not involved and that she was not on board with Mark's style of vigilante justice. It was well known that she disapproved of what he was doing, that it caused her anxiety, and it was probably a contributing factor in what led to them eventually divorcing. But that by no means absolves her. Because despite whatever feelings she had about what he was doing, A, she did not stop him from doing it or leave him at the time. And in fact, since they've divorced, uh, at least until recently, they still lived on the same piece of land. So they're still close in spite of all this. And she spent the last 26 years covering for Mark and likely Chris, making her the most important witness in this case. And she refuses to say anything. She just keeps lying about it, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, And while there's no way to get justice for any of the people they murdered while playing army in Africa, it does my heart glad to know that this anxiety-riddled woman now is being tormented all over again by questions about her past. And it's ruining her press tour. Deeply. Fuck the Owenses. Good to hear. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I hate people like this so much. I uh, I was I had absolutely no interest in the book or the film yeah. before hearing this. <laughs> and now if if possible I have even less. Yeah, no no need to go see that. It's a dumb book. I'm sure the movie is dumb too and the yes. woman behind it is a garbage person. Put that on your fucking dust jacket quote, you know. <laughs> This is dumb and they're shitheads. <laughs> Jack of all graves. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's cold so, outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, I'm going to leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Ooh, we got DC? DC, yeah. Which I attempted, I put it in a glass to put ice in. 
but then yeah. the ice maker <laughs> was turned off, so there was no ice. So. Now, I, I don't know why, right? But for me, a family that owns... Uh, having an ice maker, right, is a, a denoter of middle-class status. Oh, totally, yeah. If you have an ice maker, oh, someone's doing all right. Mm-hmm. No, it. I mean, I used to always say it was having a functioning light in your refrigerator was like a sign that you were doing really well. <laughs> it's like we never had a light that turned Ooh, on when you opened the fridge. Get you. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, you fancy. Um, but yes, when we when we got this refrigerator, we had moved to Anaheim after I left UCSB. And we were like, oh, this place doesn't come with a fridge or washer dryer, so we're going to need to buy them ourselves. And <laughs> we went to Home Depot and I was like, can we get like a, can we get like a grown up refrigerator? <laughs> and sure enough, we looked at, and so many of them were like absurd. They now make ones that have like TVs in them and stuff like that, where you can get on and like go on Twitter and like you can like check what's inside your fridge from your phone and stuff like that and i was like okay that's maybe fucking stupid that's maybe a little too grown up for me uh but we got one that has an ice maker and a water thing and yeah beautiful like a purifier oh yeah so good i love it so much (laughs) one day one day one day the goal yeah we got a nice (laughs) washer dryer too but then the flood destroyed the washer so it's cool (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to Jack of All Graves. Right, so you listen, let me just uh let me just introduce ourselves and the podcast. Please Hello. Do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. Who Great to have you along. Are you? <laughs> listen, uh you can't see this because it's a podcast, obviously, and you can't see Cory and I, but we're both uh we both have a flute of champagne and we're oh, celebrating today, aren't we, Corrigan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Raising uh, a glass. Raising a glass because this week uh, we uh, it was our greatest week ever for brand new listeners. Six million new listeners in the past huge. seven days since our huge. last episode. It's... Fucking absolutely huge mm. boom in uptake of uh, this podcast this week. Very big in the over 50s. Yeah, obviously. Particularly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did I say six or nine million? I already forgot. Nine million nine new million. listeners this week. 14 and that's down to you. million. That's down to you spreading the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and telling people you know, about let's us. face it, a lot of hard work on our part put into creating such uh, an incredibly attractive and professional yeah. podcast. Do you know what? Mm. We out here every fucking week, right? Mm. We out here every fucking week serving it up hot and fucking fresh. That's right. In a dish. <laughs> in a dish. In a dish. <laughs> for you lovely fucking people. And uh... we're not saying that we want thanks. We're not. But if you did want to thank us somehow, that would be fine. <laughs> I'm sure we have earned it or something. Uh, no, uh, we, we are very happy to have you all on board as always. And we do mm. love when you share and talk about us as well, which led to, of course, uh, a new friend that we've made on, oh, on, on the Twitter, which was delightful. This, this fucking week. lad had some lovely things to Such say. Lovely things. Our dear new friend at Elden Ringu. who Uh, who gave us at first a sort of backhanded compliment because uh, he had tweeted. Let me just quote. Let me just quote our new friend, Elden Ringu, if I may. Are you going to start from the beginning? Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to get to the good bit, right? Well, let me, can I start from the beginning before you get to the good bit? 
Yes. Tell me, why don't we, why don't we, why don't we, <laughs> we do a little team up on this? The first yeah. tweet was something along the lines of. Oh, hang on. Of... Is this masturbatory? Is this masturbatory of us? <laughs> I just think it's a great backhanded compliment. That's all. And I would okay. like to share this backhanded compliment. The first tweet <laughs> was something along the lines of that honeymoon period. Oh, mm. read it then, because I'm not reading it. Should I give him an accent? What kind of accent? Uh, today, Elden Ringu, sir, you are Scottish. Ooh. That honeymoon... No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> that honeymoon... <laughs> <laughs> that honeymoon period after you start a new podcast and you're not sure if the hosts are the most annoying people in the world or your new best friends. Mm. I love that we were on the we were fucking on the fence for a little yeah. bit. To which the follow-up tweet was For the record, I've been listening to Jacobo Graves and I'm pretty sure Cory and Mark are my new best friends. Which is not lovely. Beautiful, if backhanded. Isn't and let lovely? let me tell you, I think we are both of those things. Oh, yeah. I think we are the most annoying people in the world. But we're yeah. also uh, your new best friends. But we're also your new best friends. Um, <laughs> but what he then goes on to say, and this is, this is uh, I'm only nine episodes in, but you two seem effortlessly charismatic. Check. Have a great rapport. Check. The subject matter is always fascinating. Check, 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 and he check. I was shocked to find that you'd barely spoken to each other prior to starting the podcast. And that's, that's, a, that's a part of the fucking, that's the whole mystique of it, isn't it? It is, yeah. That's the whole fucking thing. Lightning in a bottle, mate. <laughs> no, Lightning it was in a bottle, a nice, fucking... You know, uh, it amazes me that people go back and, like, listen from the beginning because I think I'd be very annoyed by us. But I will say it was a nice little throwback to remembering those times because now we have talked to each other daily for nearly two years. It's July 24th. I yes. think it was July 30th or something like that of 2020 that I asked you if you wanted to do a podcast with me. So it's, yeah. it's a nice little throwback to be like, oh, it just made me think of like, yeah, we didn't, there was a time we did not know each other. There was a time when this did not exist. Yeah. And then we just, we just have done it. And now we have so many wonderful friends that we have yeah. made. Oh, hey, oh, we've, we've built a community. So we've built a community and the community is growing. Yeah. Nine million. Nine million and counting mm -hmm. and uh hearing those lovely words from our new listener uh was a very timely and well received reminder to me that we have a fucking body of work out there now corrigan a body of work that new people are coming to yeah it's very fun and it feels fucking great <laughs> we're having fun here we hope you're having fun here now hey Full disclosure, because I love you and I don't want to lie to any of mm. you, I'm not having fun it's at all today. <laughs> Mark is feeling the repercussions of his actions. Yes. Mark hath of fucked being... around and found out. And found out. I'm 43, right? <laughs> uh, I am old as shit. And uh, I went to a wedding yesterday in South Wales. Got ruined. Mm. Like, fucking elaborately ruined. <laughs> Uh, Ruined to the. I love this. The to the point that, like a teenager in a movie, yeah. you came home with marker written on you. Oh, uh, somebody drawn on my face in pen. Somebody yeah. drawn on my ear in pen. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know went to there was a, there was a lock in a good old fashioned fucking lock in at a pub. Is that a, is that a phenomenon which you're aware of? No, but we were literally talking about this. I mean, I'm aware of it. We were talking about this the other day because when we went to Ireland, we were like, man. We just got to like be in the right place and be super cool and get locked in. But it never happened. It probably never will happen yep. in our lifetime. But we've always yeah. dreamed of this. Great. And we were just great. saying the other day, like, man, how could that happen? So uh, anyways, a lot of people don't know what that is, I'm sure. So do explain what that means. Oh, that's that's when uh, the proprietor of a pub, of a drinking establishment, uh, eschews the local licensing laws. And allows punters to remain in the bar after closing time, with the door closed, not 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 you know not admitting any new any new customers, on a purely kind of nod and a wink kind of basis. Yes. You know, if you're in, you're in. Mm-hmm. If you're in, you're in. And I would like to take this opportunity because the groom is a fucking absolute lifelong friend of mine, and I know he listens to the fucking cast. So congratulations, Mark and Hannah, and thank you very much indeed for inviting me to be a part of your absolutely fucking banging day yesterday. Yes, giant congratulations, and I can tell this episode is dedicated to you, mate. (laughs) I feel I'm going to say that right now. Comfortable with that, I love that. Feel really good about it. Enjoy. Yeah, that's the the most fun, you know, as you were telling me about this earlier, the most fun I've seen you have at something like this in a while. So clearly very good people. And ah, no, this is this is something that uh, I experienced something which there has to be a word for in 2022. Mm, Right. Okay. Um, Going to a place and seeing people in. 3D, mm-hmm. you know, in face to face, in meat space, if you will. Sure. People who you hitherto have only ever seen on Instagram. Right. That weird, <laughs> temporary kind of, uh, you know, weirdness. I know you, mm-hmm. and I've I've been seeing your life in pictures for fucking right. years. Yet I don't know. I could walk. I don't know the fuck you are. I don't know your name. <laughs> I know your screen fucking name. Right. And you know mine, right? Oh, at one point through uh, during the night, uh, the bar only sold cans. Fucking brilliant. Cans <laughs> of strong bow, mate. Cans of fucking oh, bow. Boy. At one point during the night, I'm chatting to somebody and they pause and go, "Are you Dead Man ninety seven? Stop oh, it. I fucking no. am, mate. I'm serious. Absolutely. Yes. Love that. That's oh Why? my god. That's so amazing. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had anyone ask me if I'm my screen name before. I've had people recognize me from various things, but never, are you the Corrigan or at Here Lies Corey? <laughs> that yeah. is great. I love that so much. Yeah. Yes, it was It was huge fun. Beautiful. Love that for you. Love that for them. Mm. Love that for the yes. world. Those are the vibes yeah, we need out there. What you been doing? What you been up to? You had a good one? I haven't been doing a whole heck of a lot, to be honest with you. Just going, you know, this is the month of July. Most years is like the year, the year, the month that Keo doesn't work a whole lot. Normally he's out of town. And so it's like kind of the the relaxed month. So mostly we've just kind of like been going for walks and things like that, you know, just trying to stay a little bit active (laughs) like like old people uh it is too hot to hold hands hands hands. okay okay very sweaty um (laughs) i like tripped over something and keel like grabbed my hand at one point and i was like thank you and then kind of 
pushed it off. It was like, very, very nice. Uh, but we did. I'd be scared that your arm was going to come off know, in my hand. Right? He just I... pulls it off, and I'm like, oh no, like a Barbie. It was just like a little socket. Stump. Like a, uh, yeah, like a ball socket. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it was our anniversary though, and so we had kind of forgotten. Like we just didn't How know long? what day it was. Thirteen years. It's a long fucking so, time. Yeah. Married. They had a barbecue. On the 4th of July, uh, my neighbor was like, 13 years? Were you some sort of child bride or something? <laughs> I was like, no, I was a, I was a full-grown adult. <laughs> wow. But thank you. <laughs> Zero fucking about. <laughs> that's New Jersey. Oh, so, yeah, you. I guess. That's, that's also New a compliment, Jersey. isn't it? I guess that is also a compliment. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he intended it as a compliment so much as it, he was just startled. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was like, hmm. Were you some kind of child bride? <laughs> That's uh, very good. I like that I look like I could have been a child 13 years ago. Uh, no, but we had kind of just lost track of the days of the week. The days before, uh, we were like, oh, we should do something. And so Keo looked up like a, well, I was like, I really want to see this play that's closing this week. Um, the minutes, the minutes, uh, which I was like, I really wanted to see, but I didn't realize it was like a limited engagement. So I was like, fuck, really want to go see the minutes. So he found tickets to that, and then we found, like, a place to eat uh, right beforehand. So we just went into the city and, you know, had a nice meal with, like, very... They made very strong drinks at this place. And my husband was... Woo! He was floating by the time we left that place. What he should have done was... uh, Neck the rest of that fucking shroom chocolate. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he has finished it, you know. But no, he had he had plenty. I think he was fine because he does not remember anything about that play (laughs) except like the very last moment of it. Uh, And so I was like trying to like, yeah, I really liked it. I don't know about this, blah blah blah. But I and he was like, uh huh, uh huh. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, oh, okay. okay. Fair enough. Those were some some strong drinks that they were serving up in there. And they gave us a little cake because it was, you know, our anniversary and all that jazz. So, yeah. Uh, how did, I get? what have you told them, did you? What? What have you told them? Oh, that you know when you make a reservation now online, like it always asks, is it an occasion? So. Do they? Yeah. Like if you use like open table or any of those kinds of things, it always has a drop down menu. Like you can pick birthday, anniversary, reunion, like whatever. And well, fuck. No, I did not know that. Well, there you go. Yeah. For like future that, reference, like mm. make reservations online. You get to tell them. Because there's nothing stopping you lying, is there? You could just lie about yeah, any you shit. Yeah, you could lie. It's fine. <laughs> you know, if you have no integrity, <laughs> you, if you don't, if you're just not about the sacred cake. If you're really that you bored that you just want to lie for fucking absolutely no reason. <laughs> Yes, you're you're welcome to do that. But it was nice. We were like, oh, we need the check because we're going to a show. And they were like, oh. And then they came out. We were like, we didn't want to rush you, but we have cake. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So that's again, nice. That's nice. Had some nice cake on the way out and all that. But yeah, that's that's mm. the only thing I've really done lately was go to go to New York for that, and otherwise just trying not to die in the heat. Mm. It's hot. Yes. Uh, hang on. Is have we, have we had an episode since Britain was on fire? Or, or is this the Britain was on fire episode? It was Monday and Tuesday of this week. Fuck me, Britain was on fire this week. And not in that kind of, hey, you're on fire. No, but like in the literally. bad way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, officially recorded as the hottest day ever in Britain on Tuesday. Insanity. Uh, what a time to be alive. What a fucking time to be alive. 
and on a personal note, some of the probably some of the worst days that I can ever remember of my life. Jesus. And I and I I say that without a hint of you know flamboyance or hyperbole. The the last weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday was hell for me. Yeah. Just hell. Uh you know, I I, I battle with sleep anyway. Mm-hmm. But holy shit, the four of us in the house kind of rotating around different beds to try and find the optimum configuration of, right. of coolness uh, uh uh but wherever i went i could find no rest yeah just permanently laying in a fucking with a glaze of fucking filth over me <laughs> just hot and angry and tired uh it was foul it was absolutely fucking foul and the reality the slowly sinking in reality that that's going to be yearly happening all the fucking time man is mm-hmm. horrific to me yeah it's not great obviously you know as i've said we we have this kind of weather and you don't like you kind of get used to it. i mean i'm an outlier in that i prefer muggy weather to dry heat um so i do okay Why? you like this <laughs> but yeah it's it's not great and it's so hard to sleep like that i like another i've been trying to give you various recommendations from someone who's used to heat and sweat and all that what i haven't done is bamboo sheets bamboo sheets are a game changer they stay cool okay and uh oh right okay you know because that's one of the things is like when your when your sheets get like just are warm and sticky and all that it's like Uh, no thanks but bamboo sheets can keep you nice and and cool okay thank you Mm -hmm. bamboo Anything that can be done, you know, this little baby thinks. Is it cooling down now, uh, though, or yeah. is it like... Temperature's come down, but it's still humid. Still still humid. I can, I can yes. work with that. But, um, yeah. Oh! A thing I feel oh. like we should point out. Hello. It's Richard's birthday. Our Richard. Our Richard. Today. Today. This very day hey. is the 39th hey, birthday. Yo. Of Mr. Richard Lambert. 39. 39. It feels worth mentioning because Dear Richard has done much for this podcast and is a oh, yes. vital member of he the has. Joag family. So we want to yeah. formally, formally yeah. issue a happy birthday to our yes. dear, dear friend, Richard. A true original. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who you can confidently and honestly say i know no one else like you sir absolutely so just it. i i i i'm super grateful for the support and input and just the creative direction i think which you've offered the cast from time to time absolutely so yeah. if you don't already follow richard at auspices on all the things and you mm. will not regret it just a delightful human being Ah, oh, shout outs for every fucker today. Any more? Uh, I think that's. I think that's it for now. Your mom. <laughs> say hi to your mother for me. <laughs> say hi to your mama for me. Every one of you, say hi to your mom. <laughs> hey, for us. say hi to your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> um, a shout out to like everybody because we asked for Suncor. <laughs> you. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought you were generally just going to shout out everyone, Everybody. Like 8 billion people on planet yeah. Earth. Hey, Earth, shout out, except for Delia and Mark Owens. No, uh, our, of Wankers. our little universe, 
so many good suncore recommendations. If you didn't listen last week, I said that for our watch along on the 30th, I wanted something that evoked the feeling of summer. And Mark Baking, deemed heat, it rays, vitamin D, yeah, suncore, uh, radiation, bright lights, burning, <laughs> or maybe even just pleasant summer vibes. Right? Yeah. Why not? Uh, and so we got a ton of suggestions yep. on all the social media for various forms of suncore. Uh, and so this week, Mark will be putting yep. up a nice poll for. I will distill all of these recommendations. Mm-hmm into a, a batch of four that we can vote on. Yes. Um, I don't know how the logistics of this might work, and I don't even know if, as I'm saying this, if I'm going to ever do it. Mm. But I've always quite liked the idea. You know, like, you get, like, huge... Uh, I don't even know how to phrase this. Like, battles of a particular thing, and you've got, like, brackets where two of a thing will face right. off, and you'll get winners, and they'll go into a final. I'd quite like to do something like that at some point. I do not um, understand brackets. They make no sense to me. Um, I watch lots of cooking shows with brackets and stuff like that. And I'm like, that's nice for them, but I don't understand them at all. But Hey, if you figure it out, ask Ben, Ben can help you make a bracket. Shout out to Ben. (laughs) Ben ran a marathon this morning. Uh, Oh, did he? he Ben, mate. He sent me a video while he was running this morning. That fucking guy. Yeah. This the powerhouse that. Talk about a cyborg of a man. I know. Right. So. And. And like a polymath as well. He's a guy who knows shit about a lot of about shit. A lot of shit. Yeah, for sure. So, Ben, <laughs> shout out to you, buddy. <laughs> How about a shout out to Lee for watching the Monsters trailer uh, and suffering oh, yeah. with us this past week as well. Shout out to you, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love shouting people out. Just, this is, a good, this is a good old time. Having a really good time with this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, poll will go up. Uh, we will pick a Suncore flick to watch on Saturday together. Yeah. It's going to be great. And it's very timely, of course, because of what the world is going through. Mm-hmm. So it's hashtag topical as well. Yes. So very excited to hang with everyone once again. It's felt, it's been a weird month to me where like part of it went wicked fast. And then it just like felt like it hit like a, a wall and has mm-hmm. been crawling so now I'm like, oh, man, I miss everybody. I just can't Well, wait. you won't have to miss everybody for long because we're coming up to that uh, that hallowed 100th episode. That's true. That's a very and good And you're going to see some shit <laughs> soon. Yes, we're going to have a grand old time with that. But next week, we're going to have Eileen on for a stellar 99th episode uh, talking about surviving the unsurvivable. So get ready yeah. for that. And then we're going to do like a chill 99.5 episode so that episode 100, we can really come for you. Yeah, uh, because we're going to be together. We're going to be face to face. We're going to be recording in, you know, Joag once again together, face to face, me and Corey in a room. Yes. London. Fucking anything can happen. Anything can happen. It's going to be glorious. So we are so happy to be at episode 100 almost and to have you all here. We're just, we're grateful today. We're grateful people. Happy and a little, and more than a little bit surprised. More than a little bit surprised. That's for sure. Uh, I think that's it for yep. that kind of stuff. So should we just get into what we watched? 
What did we watch? Okay, I do you thought that first? you were about to create a jingle for that. I was like, go, go, go. What did we watch this week? Uh, that was that was weak. What <laughs> did we watch this week? Getting there. What did we watch this week? Now you don't know, but all I was doing there was singing the words "What did we watch this week" to the theme tune of Coronation Street. <laughs> I didn't know that. I wouldn't have caught that, no. but I'm sure uh, plenty of our listeners would have. Mm-hmm. It's a thing you call, I, I, you call I it Cory, a... don't you? Cory, yes. Just like me. <laughs> yeah, just exactly spelled the same as well. Is it really? C O R R I. Yep. Incredible. I love that. Mm. <laughs> I'm an institution. You sure are. <laughs> so, what uh, have we watched? Do you want to go first? Because I, I mean, I, my first one won't take long. Well, then go ahead. No need to stand on ceremony. Nah, not at all. The Prey. The Prey. Let's talk about The Prey. Legend of Carnocticus? Eh, I think so. Um, Shit sandwich. (laughs) Just a two-word review. (laughs) Shit sandwich. Beautiful. Uh, Just utterly utterly forgettable. Uh, Nothing to really watch. The plot involves, like, American militia... Teaming up with the Taliban, I want to say. No, come on. Yeah, for real. Uh, in a kind of a the descent type affair where they're trapped in some caves, being stalked and picked off one by one by uh, by like a kind of a beast Wendigo sort of Sasquatch werewolf type creature. <laughs> wow, covering um, a lot of ground there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it it wants to be predator. Mm. It wants to be the descent. Okay. Unfortunately, what it wants is a budget. <laughs> That uh, is important. Yep, because and oh man, you know, in much the same way as Bruce Willis's recent director video, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? God, I where they'll put Bruce Willis. Say that. <laughs> 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 where they'll put Bruce Willis on the poster, but he's literally yeah. in it for fifteen minutes. Right. They've done that with Danny Trejo in this one, right? Mm. They've done it with Machete. <laughs> uh, I love me some Danny obviously... I don't really. <laughs> oh, he's he's like a delightful person. Uh, yes. He's in a lot of shit, but he's also fun in when he is in something good. He's good. Yes. I feel as though he's a meme actor. Hmm, a meme actor. Yeah, as in, you know, oh, the internet pretends that bacon is funny. The internet enjoys Danny Trejo. But when he turns up, he isn't really that good. <laughs> huh. That's my take on him. I don't know if I agree, but you are entitled to your opinion. But anyway, in in the same way as the, the, the kind of the, the Bruce Willis saving up for my brain problem series, that's what they've done with Danny Trejo. He's on the fucking cover. He's on the poster. He's He's got like four minutes of screen time. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. yeah, really incredible. It's just there. Um, so. I may, for all of the space this film occupies in my mind, I may as well have not seen it at all. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. It did, though, just talking about this, make me want Trejo's tacos, which are very good, but on the other side of the country. It's a problem. Can you get them delivered? No. It's oh, like, come it's on. literally not to New Jersey. Oh. <laughs> it's literally a set of restaurants that he opened up makes superb oh, nice. vegan tacos and mm. the best horchata I have ever had in my entire life just 
Brilliant. Uh, do, do they do like recipe kits? Could you order a kit? I don't think so. I'm going to suggest that to Danny, though. I'm going to send him a message you should. On, on the Tweety and be like, could you I'm make sure on Twitter. a Trejo's Taco kit for it's me? It's a great idea. He needs me on his team. He does. Come on, man. Danny Trejo <laughs> is sure he's on Twitter. I'll do it live. I'll do it right now. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> he is. He is. He is. Uh, beautiful. Yeah. We'll work on that. Work on making that yeah. a thing. Um, I... Ah, now, Ooh. hey. Okay. Pardon me. This is something I meant to ask. Yes. Because we've gained six million listeners in the past week, mm-hmm. right? Um, obviously now it's time to start opening us up to advertisers. Oh, yeah, clearly. Who do you think would be the least appropriate <laughs> company or brand or institution to buy advertising space on Jack of All Graves? Who could be... Who Who would be the fucking... the absolute antithesis of our vibe um news i was thinking the nra yeah let's say uh march for life was the the <laughs> thing that came came to mind <laughs> anti-abortion um march that comes through and people like tim tebow and whatnot speak and all that yes. stuff yeah buy, buy some ad time <laughs> jack of all graves march for life what have you seen i have seen so this week I saw Nope in the theater. Ah, uh, wonderful. And I absolutely loved it. I am obviously not going to spoil anything about this because I know plenty of people have not had a chance to go yeah. see this movie. Um, yeah. And, but I, a week or two ago, had talked about how I watched a, a YouTube video that was talking about kind of the problem with adventure movies now and, you know, why they just don't really work the same way that they used to. And thus it's hard to get attached to the characters and attach the story. They're all kind yeah, of throwaway yeah, yeah. shit. Um, and Nope did a lot of what I love about action movies uh, where you're... Oh, is that how you categorize not it? Not action. Is it, is it... Not about adventure movies. Okay, um, okay. And it's not... It. I think this is... This crosses many genres. It's adventure. Which I it's love. It's science fiction. It's horror. I love that. I yeah. love that. It's not one thing. <laughs> and it has, I mean, there is some imagery in this. Like where overall, I don't think that I would be like, horror is the genre that stands out the most in this. You know, I would say maybe science fiction does. And it's all of these things kind of in equal measure. But there are some, there's some horror imagery in this that, is deeply disturbing, <laughs> like deeply Lovely. scary horror moments in it that I can't wait to actually be able to talk with you about because there's just... Is it out over here yet? Oh, God, I hope so. Um, so it's very worth seeing on the big screen. But yeah, this movie is about very regular people. Uh, no superhuman powers. They're not sudden... They can't do karate or... 12th of August? What? the fuck that it's i swear to god it's like they're begging people to steal it but don't do you, because you do need you to think i'm it. not gonna steal this oh, fucking film of course i'm gonna theater. steal this film it's so uh, but that's so long i don't know if i can wait that long for you to see it um so yeah it's it's so worth seeing it's just people coming up against a terrifying unknown uh and yes. you're watching these characters kind of figure out what's happening as it's going on um and 
then when things ramp up, it really ramps up and you get people. I mean, I kind of, when I left it, I said to Keo that I was like, it's like, it reminded me of Tremors. You know, it has mm, like a great. lot of humor. It's obviously not as absurd as Tremors, sure. but it has a lot of like humor. Um, it has a lot of these like people trying to figure out what this thing that they're fighting against is and then coming up with a lot of like schemes and trying to like put together like these Rube Goldbergy ways of like stopping it and all this kind of stuff and very fantastic. Yeah, it just, you know, it was not what I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting. But see, it well, was that's that's where they you know? the marketing has been terrific. Yes, yeah, it doesn't really give you much to gives you nothing assume. to hang your hat on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it really worked for me. I just kind of the entire movie was, you know, in it, um, never fully knowing where things were going, um, mm. feeling very tense at these times. Really liked the characters who were in it oh, some of them are also like annoying and you kind of hate them um there's oh man there's so much good horror imagery and sound in this that i can't wait to talk to you about but yeah go see Great. nope it is very worth your time i just i i might go see it again this week like it was i walked out of the theater and i was like i want to go back in i want to go watch it which again. is which is the highest uh, accolade right. you can give him. <laughs> yeah. Not only did I not want to look at my cell phone, I wanted to go back and watch Instantly it again. Instantly see it again, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was very uh, Do you know, uh, I'm it, I'm certain it's a, it's a conversation we've had before, but for fuck's sake, man, why in 2022 are you staggering release dates by fucking territory like that? Yeah. Why, man? It makes man? absolutely no sense. Like, because, yeah, that's the thing is people are just going to steal it. You know, like, oh, I'm just going to sit here while the internet spoils this thing for me for weeks. Exactly. We all have exactly. the same internet. <laughs> yeah. I I don't, I don't want, I want to support this fucking right. film for crying out loud. I want to support this creator. Mm-hmm. I love an auteur, man. I love a fucking auteur. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to, I, I want to I I experience it on the same footing as people who've had the chance to see it fucking three weeks before yeah. me. It's just absurd. It's absurd. So watch it and I guess buy a ticket afterwards yes. to support them. But yep. I wish that that weren't the case and you could just see it on the big screen for the first time because it is big. You know, there's cool. moments in it that really had me just like oh, gazing up at it like, oh, the hugeness, uh, which was very <laughs> fun. So, nope. Love it. Go see it. Uh, so that's nope. That's the prey. And we sat down together, Corrigan and I, on different sides of the world, yes. yes but we sat down together and watched the uh, British sci-fi comedy, Brian and Charles. Sure did. A, uh, it seems to have been very critically well received. It seems to have had excellent word of mouth. Uh, about a uh, an outsider in a small Welsh town who struggles with loneliness and depression, an eccentric character in an, uh, in an eccentric cast of characters uh, who tinkers in his, in his shed, a, you know, uh, uh, an outsider inventor who creates little fucking useless artwork slash gadgets and who one day makes a robot. Yeah. Uh, the titular Charles. Charles, Charles Petrescu. 
<laughs> Which I love a good first and last name on something that it's unnecessary. Oh, yeah, same, same. I completely agree, yeah. Yeah, there's something singular about just fucking giving a surname to something that doesn't need it. I love that. Yeah. Um, Charles Petrescu. Uh, much like Thor, mm. I it suffered because I wanted it to be better. Yeah. Not because of what it was. It was... It was it was serviceable enough, but mm-hmm. it it could have been way more. Yeah, I think for me... Your take? Oh. What were you going to say? Your take? Oh, yeah. So, I had told you there's a, a movie that I absolutely love called Robot yeah. and Frank that came out, yeah. I don't know, six or seven years ago. Um, yeah. And that movie is... So, this movie has... It's just, like, twee as fuck. It's very quaint and, like, quirky and... You know all that stuff, which I'll which I'll address shortly. Okay, right now that bit that that I I had a very specific distaste for this for this film, which I'll <laughs> expound on in a little bit. Yeah, and but it is very quirky. Yeah, it's very you know quirky that kind of thing, and which can work. And I was kind of into a little bit in it, but it felt like there weren't really stakes in it, and I wasn't. No attached enough to like the characters even i liked it just it didn't give me enough to latch on to whereas robot and frank which i absolutely love has like a similar sort of feel in a sense uh and that is about a an old man played by frank langella who he was a bank robber (laughs) and his children who i think are james marsden and Liv tyler are worried about him and they get him a healthcare robot and he is like adamant like I don't need a healthcare robot like I'm fine I'm doing mm-hmm. everything for myself and they're like listen if we can't be there we just would feel better if you have this thing with you so this thing drives him crazy at first but of course they strike up a little bit of a friendship and then things get more yeah. high stakes in this and it's adorable but it's also like there's a lot going on to it also uh Susan Sarandon is in it as like this adorably hot lady who he's interested in. She's like a librarian. Um, and Hello. so hey, yo. <laughs> it's uh it's just so it's so cute, but it also hits all the beats of something that like, you know, has like a good arc and gets you really into the story and gets you worried for the characters and all that stuff where I yeah. didn't feel like Brian and Charles had something that I could really invest in. Where for like, I guess this was a short originally, and I can see it working as a short. Yeah. But ninety minutes of it was too much. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it it was ever conceived to be a, a film with a propulsive kind of narrative yeah. with a sense of high stakes. This was this wasn't ever intended to be like short circuit, was it? You yeah, know, this right. Was <laughs> the quirk, the quirk is the thing mm-hmm. here. Right. Yeah. Just a couple of bits. Just a couple of bits on the side. This film has one of. It's not quite the worst, but it is certainly one of the worst Welsh accents in a film <laughs> I've ever fucking heard. Right? Oh man, I think the worst Welsh accent I've ever heard was beloved British actor Stephen Graham in a TV drama called White House Farm a year or two ago. Oh, okay. Uh, a Liverpudlian fella doing a Welsh accent, and I swear to fucking God, man. Yeah, that he's great. That feels Stephen like Graham. accent extremes right there. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was, 
it was appalling. It was embarrassing. It was really fucking bad watching this guy mangle his way through this accent. <laughs> and I, I had the same experience of, of our uh, main kind of air quotes villain in this film. It was terrible, absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Er, 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 now then. Um, about 10 years or so ago, right? Mm-hmm. There was a sitcom here in the UK starring a Mr. Ricky Gervais, right? Yes. By the name of Derek. I really liked Derek. Derek. Yeah, and you I like Derek. I did. Wow. <laughs> Although I haven't watched it since then, so I don't know like mm. I don't know how well it holds up, but Okay. I liked the kindness uh theme of Derek. Really worked. No, this is interesting to me. <laughs> Ah, okay. Well, Derek was astonishingly bad, right? <laughs> okay. I don't know if we saw different shows or what, but Derek was astonishingly misjudged mm-hmm. for a show which claimed to have kindness at its core. Every single character was fucking an absolute shithead except Derek. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And, and also, to be fair... This is me, so I probably saw three to four episodes. I didn't like yeah. watch yeah. all of Derek, so there is that as well. Fair enough. Um, but it, it it felt pretty widely regarded in the UK as one of the most incredible missteps. Oh, wow. Oh, absolutely wild. And I know Ricky Gervais is divisive, right? Well, he's a giant some, asshole. Some, yeah. people, some people hate him. <laughs> That's why I always him, think that, know? like... It's so wild that, like, the character of Derek was supposed to be, like, so kind and all this kind of stuff. And, like, like he wrote this. Why is he the yes. exact opposite of that in real life? It makes Well, I've got a theory. Me. I've got a theory about this, oh, okay. right? Um, I believe that all of uh, Ricky Gervais's public, uh, you know, he, he went through a phase of... of, of constantly banging on about how animals are wonderful and you've got to love animals yeah. haven't you yeah and then he came up with Derek uh oh, she's gotta be kind haven't you it's, it's, it's kindness mm-hmm. I'm convinced that that was just a PA attempt to distance himself because PA? immediately after he's uh public uh, PA public uh, uh PR sorry PR oh. my mistake PR a <laughs> PR like, attempt yeah. to manage his perception by the public because weeks before he started banging on about how he loved dogs and dogs were the best he'd been torn apart in the media for using horrible ableist language in his tweets mm. you know what yep. i mean mm-hmm. ableist kind of mental health slurs so he's like fucking... look over here exactly mm-hmm. exactly exactly um but our your main lad in brian and charles was in Derek. Yes, he was yeah and his 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 performance in Brian and Charles is note for note identical yeah. to what he did in Derek. Yeah, same so. voice, same mannerisms, uh, you know, same kind of vocal tics. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't rinse off the Derek stank. Yeah, totally. From Brian and Charles, it it it, it <laughs> man. Honestly, um, a, a forum that I was on at the time would would watch Derek week after week simply 
to see how fucking mad it was gonna get man. It, it felt like <laughs> it felt to like go back and watch it again I'm like maybe everyone it, in yeah. it was like self-immolating their careers on purpose <laughs> this fucking show it was appallingly bad uh i yeah i don't re- i mean i don't remember it being that bad but again like it was probably i think i was in grad school at the time so i was probably miserable and mm. uh, it was like, oh, here's the thing about people not being dicks. I I'm, I can get into that. So, yeah, I'm going to have yeah. to look back and be like, oh, was that actually horrendous? <laughs> I just was like yeah. in the right mood what, for it. What is this caricature of, oh, of yeah. somebody with, with, you know, different learning needs? That right. Oh, doing? yeah. What is that fucking face? I'm going to guess what that this, doesn't man? hold up well at all. No. <laughs> None of it does. None of it does. It's, it's yeah. ugh, vile. But for some reason, they, well, I don't know. It's Maybe those... there's something that they knew Americans <sighs> would latch on to about it because they put it on Netflix and it was popular. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it it consistently punches down, which I hate. Yeah, in oh, my comedy. I definitely. I fucking despise comedy that goes for easy targets. Mm-hmm. And that's what Derek does. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I want to watch it again because I'm curious, but then I'm like, oh, maybe I just shouldn't and nah. leave my my false memory of it intact Maybe trust mark true. on this one yeah i believe you i absolutely believe you <laughs> i'm gonna i'm going to chalk it up to moment in life when i watched it more than the <laughs> show actually being good yeah yeah fair <laughs> enough uh but that's it from me i think now mark i want to blend my final watch here into our sort of main discussion today and just yeah, yeah, see where that. it I'd leads that. us that's all just i don't know what's coming up and i'm just thrilled take a trip here and just see where Whoa. we go yeah so this week uh a friend of mine noel he had watched final destination three and okay. on letterboxd he'd reviewed it and yeah. you know he had you know had a good time with it or whatever and he was like i think i will watch the other Final Destinations, you know, he'd never seen a Final Destination before, started at three. Uh, mm. And so I had commented and I was like, you know, from this point on, actually watch them from number one, because there is some payoff to doing that. Um, yes. I was like, I'm not going to explain to you what that is, but there is a bit of payoff to watching them in order from this point forward. But that kind of got me in the mode of like being like oh, I kind of want to rewatch the final destination movies. I I love those movies. I think like I remember loving them. Yes. Yeah. It's been a long time, yeah. but when I when I do revisit them it'll be with Peter and Owen. Beautiful, which yes. you know. Well, I'm like you're British, you're probably not as weird about nudity and stuff like that. I'm like eh, once you get past the first one then you get a lot of tits. Uh so maybe a, oh, a, is there titty? There's definitely titty in in 2 and 3 for sure. Uh, a lot in three, a scene that's very, very long and a little gratuitous yeah. with it, but, yeah, okay. uh, you know, no sex, but there's, there's boobs. Um, so, but Gratuitity. yeah. <laughs> Gratuitity, for sure. <laughs> Name of the episode, Gratuitity. Please, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so maybe in, in a couple of years, I don't know, again, I don't know how British kids watch things, but anyway. I decided to watch through them again, and when I put on Final Des- Destination 1, I didn't know my husband's never seen any of them, uh, mm. which he's not like a huge horror person anyway, like he doesn't seek out horror movies. Uh, he yeah. he won't like, if I put something on, he'll sit there, but it's not just like a genre he watches. So it just never occurred to me. I'm like, oh, and all this time I've never had you watch any of these. 
So we have watched the first three over the course of this week. Um, and if you've never seen Final Destination and somehow don't know at all what they're about, uh, essentially, you know, a kid has a premonition in the first one. Devin Sawa has a premonition that the airplane that his class is going to France on is going to explode and everyone's going to die, which causes a whole bunch of them to get off the plane. And then the plane does explode and then death comes for all of the survivors in the order of how they were sitting on the plane because you can't uh-huh. escape death. Nope. And this is the pattern for the rest of these movies, which is, I think, a great idea. Just sort of this, you know, you can't escape death, period. <laughs> you know, it's not totally agree. It's not a killer. It's like, you know, it's not a, a human it's not a supernatural yeah. entity. It yeah. simply is. It's a certainty. It's just it's a, a certainty. certainty. Uh, so it's it's a, a thing that you know these characters are never going to be able to escape, especially as these Super briefly, uh, here's my uh, attempt to shoehorn Elm Street into every discussion that we have. That's <laughs> one of the reasons why I love Freddy so much, mm-hmm. because you, you will sleep at some point. You have right. to. Right. It's inevitability. get you at some point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's impossible to stay awake forever. Yeah, there's something to these kinds of the inevitability in these that just adds mm-hmm. this extra layer to them. Uh, and I think, you know, the fourth is probably the weakest in the entire series, but it's still like you get fun Rube Goldberg deaths and stuff like that, you know. And this is a series which is all about the kills, isn't it? In a sense, I mean, it doesn't start that way necessarily. Uh, the first uh-huh. one kind of, it takes itself pretty seriously. Um, so... The deaths are less complicated in that, you know, like they are a little like things have to come together certain ways for people to die because death doesn't have hands. But like they're not as like, you know, by the time you get to five and you have the like crazy gymnastics kill at the beginning of it and stuff like that, like they're not like that at the beginning. Um, But yeah, then it becomes kind of, especially once you get to like number four, like it's really about like what bananas weighs are these people going to get killed? And it's just a fun watch. But one of the things that happens in these is that they are all in, they're all connected. Like they're in the same universe, right? So each installment of this, you have like the first one happens. Okay. Second one comes up and these kids, as they're being killed off after they dodged death, go, you know, this happened to, these kids you know last or like five years ago or whatever right and then the third they're like this happened to these kids and it happened to these kids right and they are one way or another discovering this so this raised a question in my mind just to kickstart talking about these final destination movies if this were happening in real life do you Uh think there would come a point like in Marvel movies, how you just accept that superheroes, everyone knows superheroes exist or like X-Men, like everyone knows there are oh, mutants. okay. Yeah. We're three, four, five into this. Does there come a point where, let's say you, Mark, you hear about this keeping on happening, you know, let's say, do you start to go, maybe that's a real thing? Like, does this become a thing that we start to acknowledge happens? Does it start to become something which is studied and just right. gets assimilated into what we know of the world. Yeah. 
Exactly. Does it become a part of how? That's oh, just how things are. Yeah. If if you if you if you skip death somehow, it'll just get you later on. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and and that's just how society is built around that. I think there's a lot in that. Yeah, because that's. I mean, I think that's a fascinating concept. I was thinking like you know, okay, it happens once, and mm. probably no one hears about it outside the town, or it becomes an urban legend or something like that, right? Like somewhere on the internet, a podcast like ours finds tells it as a cold open, you know, but then it, it happens again. Yes. And you can point to it. And then it happens again and you can point to it. How does that change the way we live our lives then, right? Because we've talked about near-death experiences and people's concepts of that being a miracle and stuff like that. Yes. What if you dodge death and you're aware of it? You know, what does that change about the way that we look at nearly dying? Uh, if I were to extrapolate and try and spin that out, I think you would get, uh, you'd get, I think it would give rise to kind of like cult behavior. Mm. I think there would be people trying to do it on purpose. There would be people, there would be fucking Reddits dedicated to it. Uh-huh. I did it again today. haha! <laughs> but I saw the fucker, mm-hmm. the, this fucking, uh, you know, tank of water spill, but I jumped and I missed the cable. La, 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 I got him again. Uh-huh. I think you'd find people filming it and, and, and sharing it with one another. I think you would find people communities springing up around it wow that's a fascinating would, concept think, yeah i think it would become like an extreme sport i think it would become like base jumping mm-hmm. or free diving death dodging that's what i think it would become oh that's amazing i hadn't thought about that as you know in our social media age and all that kind of stuff yep. like that as a tiktok trend death dodging yep. Now, which would be great for, you know, make a Final Destination 6 or whatever, but like... Hello. Yeah, you've got all of a sudden people who... Because it's now so widely accepted, right. because everyone now knows that if you dodge your own death, it'll find a fucking way to come at you. The trick is then to dodge your own death and then to almost fuck with death yourself. Right. Ha Missed me. But I'm filming it. I've got my fucking GoPro on. You know what I mean? I'm live streaming this all the time, so my fucking viewers can give me a ding-dong when they see something potentially fucking that I might have missed. Oh, that's interesting, too, to live stream constantly. I'm webcammed up all the fucking time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because not, and I don't want to give anything away about Final Destination 5, but let's say the series all takes place pre-2006, I would say. Sounds about Maybe right, yes. 2009, somewhere in that vicinity. Um, and so none of that would really be an option. You know, nope. you don't have uh, all of these people are. I mean, when you go back to the first one, you don't even have like camera phones or anything like that. You know, it's 1999. Wow. So and pre 9-11, which is also an interesting thing about this and the changes between these movies, between the pre 9-11 yeah. ones and the post 9-11 ones. But, yeah, the the earlier ones, they have so little technology and being everything sort of being pre-2010, let's say, you don't have social media working the way that it does now. You don't have live streaming. You don't have the nope. ability to sort of go viral on something like this. So they, I think there's something fascinating about the idea that we would take something that we look at as so horrific in these movies and instead, yeah. sort of, especially because of the kind of dark 
nihilism of uh of gen z kids and stuff like that the sort of yeah um someone posted that i think they were like a teacher or something like that and they'd posted that um in their classroom oh no it was someone at work and someone had come in to talk to them about retirement plans Right? right. So they come in and they tell you oh, your choices and all this stuff. You can either like keep your pay or you can put this much of it into this retirement plan and stuff. And they said all the Gen Z kids said um, they passed on the retirement plan because they were like, <laughs> we're not going to live that long. Course, <laughs> you yeah. know, like it was like, why would we do that? There's not going to be a planet. We're not going to be here to <laughs> use this retirement plan. So fuck that. I'm taking my money home. Um and I think that attitude would be, would be interesting. Like you're saying here to, mm. co- to combine that attitude of like, fuck it. I mean, we're all going to, we're going to die. Everything's, we're yeah. all dying and soon. I think you would also get, uh, if it was uh, like we're projecting, if it was a well-established fact, if it was science, mm-hmm. if it was simply how death worked, I think you'd have people who'd cheated death accidentally and moving to bunkers. Yes, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Just getting the fuck into the desert or into the mountains mm-hmm. and living in just, like, uh, you know, completely Spartan environments with no furnishings, no fucking, you know, curtain ties, just death-proof environments yeah. then. Maybe Which there would be yeah. a fucking industry that would spring up around death-proof living. Oh, absolutely. Because we see that with Clear those... in the second one. She basically, the only place she can go is a padded room in a mental hospital where she yep. makes sure that there's like nothing in there. Yep. But you're yep. absolutely right. There would totally be an industry for death-proof of homes. Course. Death-proof living. If you cheated death, come where he can't catch you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Come with death-proof estates. And it's just white walls and fuck all else and your food comes in pallet form. You know, <laughs> right. That kind of thing. That's so... You're spot on, and I hadn't really thought of this. That's exactly what it would be in our sort of, like, the blend of capitalism, the blend of where people's minds are now. You've got these... And uh, does the corporation that provides death-proof living for people, do they seek to kind of boom the market by... I don't know. Do they try and game the system somehow? Do they put people in near-death situations and then wrench them back at the last minute? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And that even that kind of thought, too, of like, do pe- I'm sure, you know, there's people who, OK, they dodge death and now they go and they uh, they make a career off this. But like, how do people then, you know, do they kind of what's that what's that movie they remade it to where um, Flatliners, you know, like Flatliners, yes. where it's like they, yes. you know, die and bring themselves back. Like, does this become a thing where people start edging death you know like sure. bringing themselves well to yeah i mean to brain. study it you'd have to have like people you know like uh, uh volcano studiers who who go to the, the lip of volcanoes in this fucking ridiculous heat proof armor you'd have you'd have to have like death scientists who would fucking <laughs> study the phenomena yeah. would put themselves in in harm's way and then come back at the last minute and then uh, try and quantify and measure what the energies are around them there'd be a fucking There'd be that could be there'd be science to it. I I love this idea. I love this fucking direction. <laughs> I know, right? I'm into it. Like I'm super into it. <laughs> and I I wonder like how many does that take? Like there would have to be, I imagine. So like I said, like what would it take for you to be, to believe this, right? 
Because initially, okay, so we have five examples of this if we take the movies. Five examples of this thing happening and it's, uh, say, an urban legend or it's on Reddit, right? You can read that this happened to these five groups Mm -hmm. of people. I assume then we start with conspiracy theorists, right? This starts as the same people who are out at Area 51 and and stuff like that, like trying to figure out, you know, as opposed to scientists, scientists. Yeah. This starts as a you know, group of people who are uh, ostracized by society going out and being like, yeah. this is really happening, man. We're studying it, man. <laughs> podcasters, you would have podcasters all over it. Yeah. How many would it take for you to believe that this were happening? It's uh, a fantastic question. <laughs> and no, me being who I unfortunately right. am. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would take a lot. Because <laughs> this is a thing me. I think about a lot in movies too. Is and, and Ryan Clark has has said this about her kids that I always think is great. She's like, if my kids were convinced that like there were actually some sort of like spiritual entity or something like that attacking them, then you know what? God damn it, I'm gonna believe them for you know just to <laughs> like so that if. I'm wrong, I don't have dead kids or whatever, you know? Like, I'm just going to go with it. Not in the, like, mom, there's a monster under the bed kind of thing, but if there was, like, a persistent, you know, Mm. they're swearing, they're seeing something or whatever. Like, she's like, better safe than sorry, I'm believing. I would would have to experience it myself. (laughs) Shocker. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I would hate to be the adult who refuses to believe and then dies. I'd hate to be that guy. But I... I think I would probably be the adult who realizes in his final seconds. Right. Like, ah, fuck. Yeah. 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 That, that ah, fuck Because I feel like I, I said when I watch movies and things like that, I am always annoyed when I'm like, there's clearly something happening here. Like, just like give someone the benefit mm. of the doubt, especially if they weren't crazy before. <laughs> As mm. I said last week, like gaslighting pl- plots and stuff like that are my least favorite or just not believing someone about something. Uh, and... So that was, I was thinking about that. I'm like, how many times would this have to happen for me to be like, oh, maybe that's, maybe that's actually a thing, you know? And I feel like by three, if you could show me this was the actual pattern that had happened, like you could see it was where they were sitting, you know, they documented this (laughs) and it was the exact people and it was within this amount of time but I'm sure we've talked of examples where shit like that happens. We've sure. we've talked of, you know, crazy events, man. Da, 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 da. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I d- uh, and that's just what they are. They're crazy coincidences. Yeah. I think coincidence. if it just it kept happening like that, that specifically, mm. it would at least yes. be a thing that I would entertain and not be like. Yes. So that then here's my thought. Thus, if this happened, say three times, right? And you could point this to me, and then. I and a group of people I know had a near-death experience and someone died. One of them died, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not be the person going, that's not real. I would be the person going, fuck, maybe that is. And I should at least take it seriously. Hmm. That is my thought process, I think. You've made me proper jones to see these movies again i i I would really enjoy to watch the final destination you should i really think that they hold up it's on plex we've got them all well there we go yeah they're all on hbo max here um did you say the first one is light on titty 
Yeah, there's no. You're not going to get any beans, as we call them in the Dead and Lovely group. Of course. Uh, no beans okay. in the first one. Um, and I a think... free environment. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, in terms of with a kid. I mean, airplane crashes are terrifying to me, so that would have scared me as a child. I don't think that there's anything yeah. objectionable beyond just the fact no, that No, I don't remember there being. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing Good. horrendously scary or anything like that. It's just peril in the first well, one. Pete has just... He's overtaken me and he's completed Stranger Things now. He finished it earlier than Yeah, I think if you can do so, Stranger Things, you can probably do Final Destination for sure. It's definitely time to start turning the dial up on him. <laughs> some, of the, some of the kills in the last season of Stranger Things are gnarly, man. Yeah, it's true. So, yes, it's definitely time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, obviously, both you and I were watching much worse than Stranger Things when we were that age. <laughs> It's good to see him coming along and and, and getting up there. And we turned out okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And then in the second one, you for sure get just like, it's a brief flashing scene. The woman on a motorcycle flashes someone. Uh, And in the third one, there's a tanning bed death that's extremely long. One of my favorites. (laughs) Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) Oh, not for the titty. (laughs) So there's a Corey. lot. There's a lot in that scene. I was like, I did not remember do think, this. Do you think so little of me? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying. There's a. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy titty, <laughs> but only if it's artistically mm, valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has to be tasteful titty. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to call it that in Final Destination 3. But also, <laughs> Final Destination 3 is often regarded as, like, w- like from people who are, like, fans. It has lower ratings mm. than the first one. But, like, from people who love Final Destination, the third one is considered, a, like, one of the best ones. And Kia watching it was like, this is this is the best so far. So oh, good. that one is, despite the gratuity, is really good. <laughs> yeah, so I recommend watching them again. Folks listening, watch Final Destination and tell us, if you have any ideas, what else would happen if we discovered and were able to take for granted in the real world that this was happening. What would this do in society? Yeah. How would society adjust? How would culture adapt around that truth yes i, I love it yeah really nice thought me. experiment thank you for coming along on that journey with me i'm delighted <laughs> to have been a passenger so friends thank you so much also for coming along and listening to our ramblings if you really love these ramblings and want to support us and hear some more of them Make sure yes. that you uh, subscribe to our Ko-Fi, where you get uh, an extra episode every month, where you get Marco's video rants, where if you uh, subscribe every to our- Every month-ish. Every month-ish. <laughs> if you subscribe to our highest tier, you even get physical mail from us oh, uh, four times a year. Uh, we Otherwise, you know, hey, if you just want to support us for free, but do us a solid, A, tell your friends to check us out. Yeah. That means the world and works wonders. And B, drop us those reviews on Apple Podcasts and those stars on Spotify so that people can find us and know that we're legit. Or, Hmm. uh, as as has happened this week, directly tweet us and say nice things to us. We do like when people do that. Yeah, I I mean, a Ko-Fi subscription is great, Mm -hmm. but 
actual compliments, money can't buy those. Can't can't buy it. So <laughs> we love you all. We will see you on Saturday, July thirtieth, twenty twenty two, for our Suncore watch. So look for that poll. I think it's gonna be you know a it. hotly contested one. But oh um, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot like heat. Like, like the heat sun. like the sun does that. Yeah, you yeah, know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Real nice. And you know what else you should do out there, yes. dear friends? <sighs> Stay spooky, friends. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs>